Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the ferryman of souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. Binge this season of The Passage now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in The Jinx. Now the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Allison Flom. Welcome back to Erased the Murder of Elma Sands. In our last episode, Colden tried to establish his credibility as the prosecutor. Elma's cousin, Catherine, was the first person that he called to the witness stand. She testified that Elma was excited on December 22nd. She got all dressed up with plans to marry Levi and return home to the boarding house by curfew. So Catherine was alarmed when Elma didn't come home that night as she planned to. But Levi wasn't worried at all. Levi's only concerns after Elma disappeared were himself and his reputation. So Colden's argument was off to a pretty good start until... If Elma accidentally took too much laudanum, her psycho boyfriend drove her to do it, so Elma's death is Levi's fault regardless. Wonderful! And then he was in a tough spot. He suddenly had to prove two things. One, that Elma was actually murdered, which he never thought he would have to prove at a murder trial. And two, that she was lured out of the house and killed by Levi Weeks. So to debunk this emerging suicide theory, he called Elias Ring to the stand. That's Elma's uncle, Catherine's husband. Mr. Ring. And asked him to describe Elma's character for the jury. jury? Elma was joyous, careful, full of virtue, until she was ruined by Levi Weeks. That's right. I'm the one who caught them sneaking around my house having premarital sex. And that started last September, right, Mr. Ring? Yes. When my wife went upstate, all the women and children left the city to avoid the pandemic. But Elma stayed here. It was just Elma and all the boys in the house. So Elma was in a vulnerable position during that time. And I figured them out right away. 
You see, one morning I went into an empty room and I found Elmo's pantyhose and corset and, and Levi's shirt like they'd just been in there together. Wait! You found Elma's clothes, but no Elma? She ran back to her room in the nude? So much for cautious and full of virtue. <laughs> Your Honor, if Elma left her clothes all over the place, ran around the boarding house naked, slept with the first man who paid attention to her, it sounds like she was risky and promiscuous. Risky and promiscuous? are the characteristics of a suicidal woman, Your Honor. Speculation, uh, objection. Um, Your Honor, Burn Hamilton have usurped my line of questioning. Any juror or attorney may ask questions at any time. Regardless, the defense counsel's theory that Julielma took her own life is both outlandish and insane. I agree, Mr. Ring, it's insane. Although there were significant holes in this emerging theory that Elma took her own life, the defense lawyers thought they'd found Colden's Achilles heel. If Elma Sands drowned herself, then there was no murder. Case closed. Their client walks. But hold on. In 1799, it was nearly unheard of to drown oneself in a well. Unfortunately, people did kill themselves. That year was actually a very tragic one in New York City. But the methods of the day were hanging, poisoning, pistol shot. Are we to believe that Elma pioneered a new method of suicide the very night she got all dressed up, borrowed a fancy hand muff from her neighbor saying she'd return it the next day, and told her cousin she was off to marry her love? And if Elma took her own life... How do we explain the bruises and wounds on her corpse? There is zero proof of suicide here. We have proof, actually. There is no proof. Alma was happy. She really was. It shattered me to, to lose her. She, she was... It was like losing the sunshine. Thank you, Mr. Ring. Nothing further. Mr. Ring, on the day Elma disappeared, how was her disposition? Elma was cheery and sweet that day, as she always was. I remember she asked my wife which handkerchief looked better. What color were the handkerchiefs? Oh, one was blue, I think. And How sure are you about that? Pretty sure. I'm pretty sure? Pretty sure, yes. So you're not totally sure of no. anything you're saying, yes, Mr. Ring? I'm totally sure. Two handkerchief options, and one was blue. She looked nice. Elma looked nice? Did you often think about whether Elma looked nice, Mr. Ring? Mr. Ring, you did not approve of Elma dating Levi Weeks, right? And why did you have a say in who Elma engaged with, sexually? I don't approve of premarital sex in general, counselors. I'm Quaker. Was Elma a Quaker? No, she wasn't. And no, I did not approve of Levi as a partner for Elma. Elmo was too sweet for him, and he's too rough. And this moment is such a microcosm of the two sides of this case. On one side, the immaculately dressed Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton. They had shiny shoes and fancy suits and huge reputations on the line. With their political careers and the election of 1800 coming up several months later. And then on the other side, Elias Ring this stout Quaker guy with a big hat and plain baggy clothes and a reputation for being a terrible businessman who was too drunk all the time. If Alma committed suicide... She was murdered. If she committed suicide, Mr. Ring, would you consider yourself personally responsible? 
You were supposed to be her guardian. Objection! How dare you! When Elma disappeared, you knew she was dead and gone. What? Did you search for her? We all searched. Where did you search? I, all the boarders searched the tenements and the almshouses. I'll repeat myself, Mr. Ring. Where did you look for Elma? My neighborhood, Mr. Hamilton. Tenements and almshouses. I'll try again, Mr. Ring. Where did you personally look for Elma Sands when she disappeared? Objection! Where is this going? Ask a different question, Hamilton. Mr. Ring, did you hire a private search party to dredge the East River in search of Elma's remains? I hired my friend, Mr. Walgrove, and his crew just to be thorough. Yes. So what? So you weren't looking for Elma. You were looking for a corpse. While everyone else was looking for an alive Elma, Elias Ring was looking for a dead Elma in the nearest body of water, which tells us he knew she planned to drown herself close to home. Speculation! I didn't know anything, sir. You knew Elma was dead before there was a suspect. You're the suspect! Your Honor, Elias Ring is not a suspect here. He was at home, drunk and sleeping when Elma was murdered. That's right. Move on, counselors. I'm I'm a good man. I was thinking at the time that if Elma had died alone out there in the cold, that I'd want to be the one to find her corpse, to spare the women and children from having to find it. That's all. Gentlemen, Elma did not throw herself into the river, or any body of water for that matter. Mr. Ring's search was unsuccessful. And why? Because Elma was found battered in a well, not the river. And frankly, my colleague's idea that Elma took her own life is lazy and downright dense. When someone commits suicide, they do it alone. My next witnesses will confirm Elma Sands was not alone at the Manhattan well. She was slaughtered. In light of the defense counsel's continued effort to paint Elma as suicidal and flood the jury with other theories, Colden had to go back to the drawing board to prove that Elma was, in fact, murdered. So to build a full timeline for the jury of what happened that night, he called up witnesses who had interacted with Elma after she left the boarding house. He started with Elma's neighbor, Kate Lyon. Thank you for calling me, Mr. Colden. Thank you for being here, Mrs. Lyon. So can you tell us about the night of December 22nd, 1799? I saw Elma just moments before she was murdered. Was Elma alone when you saw her? I don't think she was alone. It was hard to see. Wait, you couldn't see anything? The lamps on our street are useless, Mr. Hamilton, covered in soot. The man who died from walking into a street lamp, that was right near my house. So Elma might have been alone when you saw her, but you don't know. I didn't see anyone with her. You just said someone was with Elma. Now you're saying she was alone. Your Honor. There was someone calling out to her, hurrying her along. Be more specific, Mrs. Lyon. If we're to believe a word you say... I'm trying, Mr. Hamilton. Where did you encounter Elma exactly? Are you certain it was her? I don't know how you could be certain of anything if you couldn't see, but... I saw Elma just down from the rings on Greenwich Street, right near the water pump. I'm certain it was Elma. It was around 8 p.m. What were you doing? I was helping a friend who'd fallen in the snow. Mrs. Lyon? Alma? Is that you? Yes, yes. Are you okay? Do you need my lantern? Uh, Mary slipped on the curb over here. Alma, what are you doing? I'm coming to help you, Mrs. Lyon. I can get her home, Alma. It's all right. Are you sure? Oh, just take my light at least. Come on, Alma. 
No, I'm okay, sweetheart. Thank you. You go have a fun night. So Elma walked north on Greenwich Street after she left the boarding house. She stopped, offering to help her neighbors, and someone in the distance started rushing her along. Elma continued walking, following that person, disappearing into the dark up their street. Kate then took, took Mary, Mary home. home. Then I walked north on Broadway towards Chatham Street. Did you see Elma again that night, Mrs. Lyon? I never saw Elma again, no. But when I passed the Lisbonards, I heard her voice. Speculation! Not speculation, Mr. Hamilton. I heard Elma screaming. I was on Spring Street, the southernmost hill of the Lisbonard Meadows. cries were shrill, a young woman's voice, most definitely. Colden had several witnesses who heard screams from the Manhattan well that night, including this guy, Henry Henry Orr, a a carpenter carpenter and resident of the Third Ward. At this point, New York was organized into wards instead of neighborhoods like we have now. Mr. Orr, the screams you heard did not sound like a suicide, right? I, I, I don't know what a suicide sounds like, Mr. Colden, but... At the Manhattan Well that night, I heard violence. Sir, if you thought you heard violence... Uh, I heard violence, sir. If you thought so, why didn't you intervene? Get involved, maybe save the girl? Certainly that wasn't my job. Whose job was it? Another one of the bystanders, maybe. Someone stronger than me. Sir, if you had an instinct that she was being really hurt, I'm sure you would have stopped to help. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in The Jinx. Now the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible Uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. 
I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Murder someone helps. The cries still haunt my dreams. She has constant nightmares. Uh I mean, they're constant. Lawrence and Arnetta Van Norden, who also heard the screams that night. I think they were really cute. So you two were together. When you heard Alma dying? Oh, yes, we were together. We were together that night. Uh, we do everything together. What's the point in marrying someone if you don't want to spend your every waking moment with them? Oh, honey, I love you so bad. I love you so bad. <laughs> Literally imagine this amount of PDA in a modern courtroom. It's iconic. Can you two please tell the jury what you were doing that night around 8.30? <laughs> <laughs> we were just getting ready to hit the yeah, hay. Well, we were uh, we were putting our pajamas on. <laughs> what did you hear exactly? Oh, we heard the screams, the screams, the echoes. Elma Sands' very last words ever spoken on this earth. Someone help me! Oh. We rushed over oh. to the window. We have a clear view of the Manhattan well from our bedroom. It's completely changed our neighborhood. We have to look at it every day and get re-traumatized. We keep our shades closed all the time now. Mm-hmm. Well, Mr. and Mrs. Van Norden, after you heard the screams, what did you see from your window? We saw the murderer, Mr. Colton. Objection! Overruled. The screams stopped. By the time we got to the window, all we saw was a man pacing around the well. Pacing, Mrs. Van Norden? Yes, like he'd just thrown somebody into the water and he didn't know what to do next. Mm. Order! Your Honor, as we know, Levi is known for his anxious pacing. And Levi was with Alma that night. So he is evidently the murderer. Objection! Save your breath, Hamilton. I have nothing further for these wonderful witnesses. Thank you. Mr. and Mrs. Van Norden. Yes, Mr. Hamilton. Nice to meet you. Why didn't you go outside when you first heard the screams? (laughs) I'm a tailor, sir, not a hero. You're my hero, baby. Oh, and you're mine, dear So, you heard someone vaguely yelling. Not someone, and not vaguely. No, we heard a woman screaming, murder. You heard screams, and then you stayed in your bedroom? We were terrified. Mr. Van Norden. How far is your home from the well? 400 yards. Uh, I, I'd say 600 yards, maybe? Final answer, 500 yards. Mm-hmm. Marriage is all about compromise. <laughs> Gentlemen of the jury, that's too far away for a trustworthy eyewitness account. Tailors have excellent eyesight, Mr. Burr. Perfect eyesight, and they both heard Elma screaming. They heard someone screaming. And they didn't see anything except someone pacing. Could have been Elma pacing back and forth right before throwing herself into the well. Why would she scream murder while taking her own life, Mr. Hamilton? 
Mr. and Mrs. Van Norden, was the figure pacing with a limp? A limp, sir? Well, it's hard to say what his gait was like. Because you couldn't see anything. We heard everything, Mr. Hamilton. In some ways, that's worse. Mm. Help! Let me go! I didn't hear the screams. And this is Margaret Freeman of the 8th Ward. But I saw the murderer and the victim right before it happened. Yet another person who was in the vicinity of the murder site the night of December 22nd. Where did you encounter the murderer, Mrs. Freeman? I was with my children headed home from meeting. And where is your church? Bowery, off the Lisbonards. So on the night of December 22nd... Services ended at 8 p.m. and we started walking home right away because my son had to pee. my own hands, Mommy. Walk closer to me, Harry. I've got you. They rushed away. Mrs. Freeman, how could this single horse vehicle have overtaken your son? Weren't you paying attention? Objection, badgering? A horse and carriage is pretty large. It's hard to miss. It was dark. I didn't expect anyone to be on our street at that time. Maybe my son was walking in the road, but I didn't hear them coming because the horse had no bells. Who keeps their horses with no bells? Spoiler alert, one person who was known for keeping their horses with no bells was Ezra Weeks, Levi's older brother. Did you see the people inside the sleigh? It happened so fast after they almost hit my child. But who did you see? I saw Elma Sands, sir. And two men with her, who I now assume were Levi and Ezra Weeks. Speculation! Mrs. Freeman, you saw Elma Sands in the sleigh, correct? Yes, I saw Elma with either one or two men. If she couldn't tell whether it was one or two men... How could she possibly tell it was Elma? I know it was her. I saw her. I felt her. I still can't fathom what... With due respect, Mrs. Freeman, our Constitution doesn't care whether you can fathom the victim's death. Mrs. Freeman. Yes, Mr. Burr? You told a lot of people about your encounter with this slave. I told some people. When did you start telling people? Whenever it came up in conversation, Mr. Burr. I'll be more specific. When did you start broadcasting this little tale about your pre-death encounter with Elma Sands? Around January. Right after the victim's body was found. How convenient. What do you mean convenient? As soon as it became information, I would tell people. Before that, it was just another story. So Hamilton and Burr thought they could win this case just by diminishing the credibility of all of Colvin's witnesses. Their focus was just creating reasonable doubt. And since all the jurors were their peers and colleagues who they knew and could relate to, and since most of Colden's witnesses were women, it was all too easy. Did you tell any journalists about your story? I told friends, I told family, some journalists. Did you tell anyone in exchange for goods or money? Yes, I needed eggs and barley. I have two kids to feed, so what? Your Honor, how can we trust a woman who sells her story? No, not today. I'm a Methodist, Your Honor, not a liar. 
I was taking my kids home from church and I saw Elma right before Levi Weeks killed her. She looked me in the eyes. I heard her. We have nothing further for this story seller. Your Honor, I know it was Elma. I'm not telling stories. Step down, Mrs. I am not telling stories. I know the truth. So several witnesses confirmed that there was a sleigh with multiple passengers and no bells near the Lisbonard Meadows around the time of the murder. More witnesses confirmed screams of murder and help me around 8.30. And as you might remember from the last episode, Levi didn't have access to horses. But Catherine suggested that he could borrow his brother's sleigh because Ezra had tons of horses. If Colden could just prove that Levi took Elma to the murder site in his brother's sleigh, case closed, right? So to put this all together, he tried to turn the jury's attention to Ezra Weeks. It was Ezra Weeks. Ezra took out his horse and sleigh the same night, the same hour Elma Sands was murdered. So Colden called Ezra Weeks' neighbor on Nassau Street, Susanna Broad. She was sitting in her house at the time of the murder, and her window overlooked Ezra's horses in the yard. What time did Ezra's horse and sleigh leave the property that night? Just before 8 p.m. And when did the vehicle return? Within the hour. One hour! Just enough time to pick up Elma and Levi on Greenwich Street, or to go... Objection leading the witness. Or go to the Manhattan Well and assist his brother in a murder. Nothing further from the prosecution. Thank you, Mrs. Broad. Mrs. Broad, or may I call you Susanna? Uh, You may not, Mr. Hamilton. Susanna, why do you think you saw Ezra's sleigh leaving the yards? I don't think it. I I know it. I saw it. Why do you think it was 8 p.m.? I said it was a few minutes before 8 p.m. I saw the sleigh right before my kids got home from services, which end at 8 on Sunday nights. So your kids weren't home when you saw Ezra Sleigh leave the yards? No, my kids came home a few minutes after that. So you were home alone? Yes, until my kids came home. Where were your kids when Ezra Sleigh came back in? I think they were downstairs. You think? Yes. You don't know where your own kids were? At which point? Or were you home alone? When, Mr. Hamilton? When was any of this? When was what? I saw Ezra's horse and sleigh leave the yard just before eight. Then my Susanna, kids... Susanna, what month? What did you say, Mr. Burr? Was it Christmas? Was what Christmas? Did you see Ezra Weeks in his lumberyard after or before Christmas? I see him all the time. He's my neighbor. So you saw him after Christmas? Yes, I also saw him after Christmas. So you didn't see him on the night Elma went missing? I did. Of course I did. Susanna, when did you realize that you had important information about Ezra Weeks' sleigh? When I saw Elma Sands' corpse in the yard of the boarding house, early January. Everybody was talking about the body in the box outside Elias and Catherine Ring's house. I had to go see for myself. Catherine put her cousin's body on display outside her house for thousands of people, like Susanna, to come see for themselves. More on that in the next episode, but Catherine Ring's decision to display her cousin's corpse outside 208 Greenwich Street changed the course of... Like, everything. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in The Jinx. Now the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. 
Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. So you saw the body and decided to spread a rumor. No, Mr. Hamilton. I'm just having a hard time following what you're saying. You continue to interrupt me, sir. When I went to see the body, people were saying, it was the Weeks boy, Levi Weeks killed the girl. I knew Ezra was his older brother. I thought, I thought so maybe... So you thought you should start telling people that you thought you saw Ezra slay maybe the night Elma disappeared? Just in case it mattered. So before Elma's body was found, you never concerned yourself with when or why Ezra Weeks took out his horses? Well, it happens frequently, Mr. Hamilton, so I... And you happened to be home alone when you saw it happen this time. Plus... All this may have happened in January, so... So, this witness has zero credibility, folks. She doesn't know what she's talking about. I know what I'm talking about. I saw Ezra Weeks take his horse and sleigh out on December 22nd. He keeps his horse with no... Your Honor, nothing links Ezra's sleigh to Elma Sand's death. Can we move on from this tangent? Strongly disagree, Mr. Byrd. Elma left the Ringses at 8. She was seen in a sleigh at 8.15... Her screams were heard from the Manhattan Well at 8.35. If Levi murdered Elma 30 minutes after they both left the boarding house... Objection! Speculation! I said if. And if Levi brought Elma to the murder site in a sleigh, the only sleigh he could borrow was Ezra's. Elma may have walked to the well. It was much too cold for her to walk from Greenwich Street to the Lisbonards. She was walking to end her life, Calden. She wasn't thinking about the temperature. 
she actually did consider the cold. Maybe she jogged. She borrowed a hand muff to stay warm. She had plans to get married and then return the hand muff, not end her life. Plus, it was almost Christmas. That's your evidence, Colden? Christmas? What is a hand muff? The accessory that Elma wore that night. Eleven days after Elma vanished, a young boy found it floating in the Manhattan well. That's how her body was discovered in the first place. The hand muff was an extremely important clue. Without it, Elma's body may have never been discovered. This little dude found it. The prosecution calls William Blank. And his testimony was vital for Colden's case. Sit down, William. I cannot see Mr. Colden. Uh, okay, um, here, sit on these books. However, kids weren't really in school at this point. What little education they were getting would have been from church. So William's time on the stand went like this. That's better. (laughs) So, William, tell the jury about that thing you found in the Manhattan well. Well, I was playing snow angel on the list when our meadows... William, you're under oath. (laughs) You are very short, Mr. Burr. (laughs) Even shorter than the pictures in the paper. Do you know what an oath is? Nope. But I was playing Snow Angel on the list of nards, and I noticed... How old are you, boy? Almost 13. Are you Alexander Hamilton? Yes, I am. Can you read? No. Well, I can read at church. Can you read, Mr. Hamilton? Your Honor, this is a child, not a credible source of information. He's one of my key eyewitnesses. I just can't admit his testimony. I'm sorry, Colden. So when something didn't work for Hamilton and Burr, a rule had to be made against it. Poor little William Blank was removed from that witness stand faster than Hamilton ran to Mariah Reynolds when Eliza left town. Sorry, said it. William, hey buddy, you can go sit back down. Colden had to scramble. This was a twist. He'd really been counting on little William. Uh, Wait, uh, okay. What about his parents? William, do you have a grown-up in the courtroom with you? Yeah, my dad's in the back row. What's his name? Andrew. Don't call him Andy, and, and don't mention the missing buttons on his shirt because he will get really mad. Andrew Blank? The prosecution calls Andrew Blank father of William Blank. So Andrew Blank was not a witness that Colden was planning to call. He was only there in the courtroom to accompany his son, who was called to testify about the handmuff, but clearly that backfired. So Andrew Blank came up to the stand and became an unexpected hero for the prosecution. Check this out. Mr. Blank, your son found Elma's hand muff, right? Uh, That's right, Mr. Colden at the Lisbonards. He knows not to go near the well, but he saw it floating right on the water. He carried it home to me like a treasure. I followed him back to the well. What did you see when you got there, Mr. Blank? I noticed a sleigh track. A sleigh track? And the footprints around the well. Elma's footprints, most likely. Mr. Burr, you don't know whose footprints they were. If there was only one set of footprints, Elma must have been alone, Colden, for her suicide. Or Levi carried Elma from the sleigh straight to the well, and they were his footprints. Speculation! Or Elma walked too lightly to leave footprints. If I may, Your Honor. Yes, go ahead, Mr. Blank. Colden, you don't make the rules. But yes, go ahead, Mr. Blank. Uh, The footprints I saw were large and flat, Like heavy boots. Heavy boots! And Mrs. Ring? Uh, Catherine? Me? Yes? Yes, Mr. Colden? Oh, go back up there, Catherine. Should I come back up there? Not necessary. Just tell us about Elma's feet, please, Catherine. Or her shoes, specifically. Actually, I always made fun of her little feet. Her shoes were arched and dainty. Oh, like a child. Like, like, Like a ballerina. Yeah, that's right. Elma had tiny little feet. Oh, and she would always look hurt. Elma had tiny feet. 
But the footprints at the well were heavy and flat. They were Levi Weeks' footprints, Your Honor. He dumped Alma into the well, he paced around in the snow, Objection! And clearly no one had been to the well in days, or the muff would have been discovered sooner. Your Honor, objection! Move on, Colvin. Mr. Blank, do you go to the Lisbonards very often? It's near my house and I let my son play there, but otherwise, no. So your family doesn't get their water from the Manhattan well? Oh, no, definitely not. But it's the closest well to your house, Mr. Blank. Why don't you use it for water? The Manhattan Company doesn't care about clean water. They're frauds. Wells are a scam, they're dirty, and they don't even pump water to the homes that pay for it. Did you know that Mr. Burr created the Manhattan Company? Ah, shoot. And you just admitted that Aaron Burr is untrustworthy and corrupt. Objection! It's just the pipes are wood, not iron. And I've lost so many friends to the fever, I didn't mean to offend anyone. You're not offending anyone. I'm offended, Your Honor! And even though he's offended, Aaron Burr's company did own the murder site. This is the unbelievable situation. In the late 1700s, as I've said, Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton didn't have any money personally. They were both constantly in debt, but they really wanted to control other people's money. The city's money, Federalist money, Democratic Republican money, 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 money. Aaron Burr wanted to start a bank. But Hamilton shut him out of all things fiscal after serving as the nation's first secretary of treasury. He was not about to let his frenemy get involved and start a bank. So instead, Aaron Burr started the Manhattan Company in 1799. Aaron Burr knew that people were panicking about the yellow fever potentially being caused by dirty brackish water from the collect. So he saw an opportunity to start a business and call it a municipal waterworks. He put some wells up around Manhattan, including the one where Elmo was murdered, and the Manhattan Company was created. But there was some fine print in the whole Manhattan Company deal. It said that the company, a.k.a. Aaron Burr himself, could do whatever he wanted with its surplus money. So of course he opened a bank. His concern was not clean water nor good water wells, but he did use the idea of clean water to start a company that's now Chase Manhattan Bank. Dirty water, dirty money. Am I right? Well, I don't think Mr. Burr himself built the wells. Obviously. I'm a public figure and politician, not a builder. Oh, I didn't realize. <laughs> Who built the wells, Mr. Blank? Do you know? Probably Mr. Weeks, right? Doesn't Mr. Weeks do all those kinds of contracts? Objection! Relevance! Mr. Blank, did you say Levi Weeks built the Manhattan well? No, no, not Levi. Ezra. Order! <laughs> Your Honor, stop this! Your Honor, who cares if Ezra Weeks does freelance work for us? It's tangential. <laughs> well, this is something. This is really just something. I didn't realize that Levi and Ezra Weeks are such close friends with the opponents All here. All due respect, Your Honor, analyzing our relationship to our client is a profound waste of the jury's time. I'd agree with that. If Ezra built the murder site, Plus, his horse and sleigh were used in the murder. Plus, he was always looking out for Levi, who wanted his girlfriend Elma out of the picture. Your Honor! Questions, Colden? It's obvious to me that the Weeks brothers murdered Elma in cold blood, dumped her in the well... Colden? And they thought they'd get away with it. You're finished. Defense counsel, it's your witness for cross-examination. Finally! Mr. Blank, good afternoon. Uh, Good afternoon, Mr. Burr. I'll disregard your assassination of my name and my company... And just ask you, how do you have so much information about so many things? Excuse me? You seem to have a lot of intricate details for someone who's not remotely important to this case. 
Your kid found a hand muff, and that's it. You're wasting the jury's time. But I have found her. What, Mr. Blank? I helped find Elma, which no one's asked me about quite yet. Wait, why hasn't this come up? You found Elma, sir? On January 2nd, 1800, in the Manhattan Well. I was actually the first one to see her. That's right. Andrew Blank was there when Elma's body was found. So Colden had this unexpected triumph. He stumbled upon a witness who helped pull Elma's corpse from the well and could tell the jury in gruesome detail what it looked like at that moment. Plus, all those witnesses who saw a sleigh or heard screams or interacted with Elma on the night of the murder all strengthened Colden's case against Levi Weeks. He proved that both Levi and Ezra could have been there with Elma when she was murdered. They both knew the well very well. Ezra built it with his own hands for his good friend Aaron Burr's scam company. And of course, it was Levi's idea for Elma to be out that night, all dressed up to start forever with him. The Weeks brothers cared about public perception. They worked on big contracts for high-profile clients. They got invited to fancy parties. Elma Sands was hardly the girl that Ezra Weeks would have envisioned his little brother with. Perhaps they wanted to get her out of the way. Permanently. So a few hours into the trial, Colden was feeling more confident. It seemed like he was bound to win. But in the next episode... One of his star witnesses turns against him, and Catherine's decision to display her cousin's body to the public has earth-shattering consequences. This is Erased. Stay with us. Erased, the murder of Elma Sands, is a production of Lunch Plans and Lava for Good podcasts in association with Signal Company Number 1. The show is narrated, written, and produced by me, Allison Flom. It stars Allison Williams as Catherine Ring, Tony Goldwyn as Alexander Hamilton, Barry Sheck as Aaron Burr, and Jason Flom as Judge John Lansing. Our executive producers are Allison Williams, Jason Flom, and Kevin Wardis. This show is produced by Goldhawk Productions. The show is sound designed and mixed by Steve Bond. The music is composed and performed by Sasha Putnam. The producer for Goldhawk is Andy Goddard, with production management from Emma Hearn. The executive producer for Goldhawk is John Scott Dryden. You can listen to every episode of Erased, The Murder of Elma Sands, right now, ad-free, by subscribing to Lava for Good Plus on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow the show on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Lava for Good. And for more information on this story, plus a complete list of our incredible cast, Visit lavaforgood.com slash erased. Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the ferryman of souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? 
this road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. Binge this season of The Passage now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. In the recent history of documentary filmmaking, one scene stands out above all. The hot mic bathroom confession of Robert Durst in The Jinx. Now the person responsible for that moment, Sereb Kaufman, stepson of the victim, friend of the murderer, star of the documentary, for the first time ever, shares why he believes you're watching the furthest thing from the truth on this exclusive episode of Murder Homes. Listen to Murder Homes on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.